my greetings also to you this morning. Um, in addition to Adam's earlier on, my name's Tom Parsons and I'm the vicar at Christchurch. Um, and it is lovely to welcome you this morning, um, and especially um, Freddie and your family. Um, it's really, really lovely to see you all and uh, to welcome you. And uh, I hope that you feel very much at home here. We certainly would like you to. And uh, good to see Boys Brigade there. Of course, the Queen, Her Majesty the Queen, um, was very much involved with Boys Brigade, as with so many other aspects of life uh, that we've just taken for granted. She has just been there, rather like an unobtrusive shade over our heads. And we haven't necessarily noticed her all the time or seen her all the time, but she's just been there. And uh, it's very, very odd. I think um, somebody used the word in our Friday morning Zoom prayer meeting. Um, I think it was Charles Rutter I heard later and said he felt discombobulated. I thought that's not a word you use very often, but actually that's it. Yes, I feel a bit like that too. Strangely, strangely uneasy. But it's, as Adam said, it's good that we're here um, in church. Sad times, but exciting times as well. Katie, my wife, who just led the prayers there, you might have heard from her accent. She's from New Zealand. And uh, King Charles was proclaimed king in New Zealand um, in the dead of night, as far as we were concerned, anyway. It was all going on over there. I can see Gina from Australia. I guess the same has happened probably in, in, um, in Canberra, I guess. He will have been proclaimed um, king there in a whole other load of places, including Canada later on. It's momentous. And uh, so we are here, though, to consider, as that lovely video showed us earlier on, not just the queen, our servant queen, but also the king, Jesus, the servant king, and the relationship between the two, and also where we might fit in relation to the servant king, Jesus. Let me lead us in a quiet prayer before I begin. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all our hearts be now and always pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now I'm going to, usually when we do all-age services, they're a little bit crazy. We have people running around and we have, well, last time we opened the thing and the lion noise played. There's also, this morning's going to be a little bit calmer, but I would still like to invite the children to come to the front but I'd like them to understand that it's right, I think, just to be a bit calmer this morning than we sometimes are. Do you understand that, children? I hope you do. I know you will. So I invite you to come to the front because partly I've set out some seats for you um, to come and sit on these seats around this table. We'll discover what the significance of all that is in a little while. But if you'd like to come, you'd be very welcome to take a seat around the table and uh, you can sit down. That's it. Go right the way around the thing there. Oh, look, it's lovely to see you all. Absolutely brilliant. There you go. So you have a seat. Oh, is there enough room on all these bean bags? I think we are. Look, there you go. You could come and perch on that one there. Oh, Freddie, we've got to find some room for you. There we are, look. Oh, there is room. Look, if you guys, if you guys just sit in a bit, then there's more. Oh, look, are you going to come up as well? There's more room there. Lovely. So you're all seated, or, oh, that's nice, so Freddie's, Freddie's found a lap to sit on. Excellent. Now, there's a poem. I'm going to read you a poem, and I want you to listen carefully to my poem. Some of you might know this poem. 
And I want you to tell me whether my poem makes good sense. Listen, it goes like this. One fine day in the middle of the night, two dead men got up to fight. Back to back, they faced each other, drew their swords, and shot each other. Does anyone know that poem? Does it make sense? Does my poem make sense? One fine day in the middle of the night, does that make sense? No, because if it's the middle of the day, then it can't be the night. Two dead men got up to fight. Does that make sense? Mm, no, why does that not make sense? Because dead men can't get up to fight, can they? Back to back, they faced each other. Does that make sense? No, because if you're standing back to back, you can't be facing somebody. What we call a, a contradiction. A contradiction in terms. Contradiction in terms. It's like saying, well, do you know what I found the other day? I found a floppy stone. You're like, well, no, you didn't. Because if it's floppy, it's not a stone. If it's a stone, it's not floppy. It's a contradiction in terms. A contradiction in terms. How's this for a contradiction in terms? A servant king. A servant king. Look, we've got a picture coming up here. This is a king. I, did, I, didn't, I didn't choose one of the British crowns. This is actually the Danish crown. So I thought I'd leave the British crown out of it. So here's the Danish crown. Oh, it's a crown. If you wear one of those on your head, you're the king. And if you're the king, well, if you're the king, you don't do this. Let's have a look at the next picture. Look at that little arrow there. It's pointing. Can you see it? It's pointing to a little, what's the little boy doing for that very posh soldier in his uniform? Can you see what he's doing? Can you not see? Look up there. Oh, you might not be able to see behind. What's, can you see what the little boy's doing? Can you see? Do you know what he's doing? He's cleaning the man's shoes like that. He's, he's like the servant of that man. If you're the king who wears the crown, that means you're, all you're really powerful, and it means you don't get down on your knees and clean the shoes of other people. Doesn't it? The servant king. Isn't it a contradiction in terms? Well, it has been for a lot of human history. A lot of human history, if you were the king or the queen, that meant that your word, whatever you said, boom, it went. Everybody had to do it. You were in charge. Everybody else made you a cup of tea, and you told them what to do. You didn't serve anybody. The more royal you were, the more kingly, the less you served. The more you served, the less kingly you were. But Jesus turned all that on its head, and he became the servant king. Right, this is where we come into this. So, we are at supper. It's the night before Jesus died, and he's having supper with his friends, with his followers, and they know that he's going to die. They're all actually very sad. And they know he's going to die, and Jesus um, uh, knows, as he's about to die, he knows that he has all authority all authority. It actually says so in that reading Mary read. He knew he had all authority. What would you do if you had all authority? Do you know what I'd do? I'd rearrange the Himalayas. I'd go, uh, Everest, um, be, be different. Change shape. Just to show my great power. I'd do something like that. 
or I'd make Aston Villa win the Premier League, or something like that, which would actually probably be even greater than relaying the Himalayas. But I'd do something very powerful. Jesus knows that he had literally, he literally has all power in his hands. All power. I don't, I'm not just saying that. I, I, I literally mean he has all power in his hands. What does he do? Well, what he does, now children, this is what he does. He takes off his, well, I don't think he was wearing a jacket. I don't think that's what they wore. Well, hang on a minute. I need to, I didn't think of that, did I? I need to unclip my microphone and put it on my, on my um, shirt. He takes off his jacket. He gets a towel. He actually puts it around his waist, but my towel won't go there, so I'll put it over my shoulder. He did this, and all, all Jesus' friends were looking at him, and their jaws were going, what? What's he doing? He's our, he's our king. And yet, he's, he's doing that. Because do you know what? This, this was what the servant did. This is what the servant did. Oh, yeah, look, we're on the telly, look. This is what the servant did. And Jesus took a bowl, and he took the water, and poured it there. This is, what the, this is what the slave did. He poured out the water, and he went around on his hands and knees, and he washed the feet of his disciples. I'm not going to wash your feet, don't you worry. <laughs> he's, looking, he's looking alarmed. The remarkable thing is that, of course, this was, this was a job for, for slaves. Like if you, if you, today, I mean, presumably most of us have a shower every so often at least. Um, and therefore our feet are probably all right. And also, we wear socks and shoes. I mean, generally, obviously, not in the summer all the time. But generally speaking, our feet are not too bad. But feet can get quite bad, as I'm sure you can imagine, without me going into great details. And these guys' feet, can I just say something about these guys' feet? They were the disciples of Jesus. They were living in a desert country a long time ago. They didn't have very many showers, I don't think. And their feet would have been dusty, smelly, are your, feet, are your feet smelly? Anyone got smelly feet? <laughs> You've got smelly feet. <laughs> Stanley, Stanley says he's got smelly feet. Well, I don't know if that's true. But I've got lots of stories about smelly feet, but I'm not going to tell them today. The point is that these disciples had a right old load of feet, and Jesus, even though he had all the power, in fact, because he had all the power, got down on his hands and knees and he started washing, here you go, boy, your feet, he started washing his disciples' feet. Now, what Jesus was doing was so incredible. He was, because he, because Peter, when he got to Peter, one of his friends, Peter, Peter said, Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet? And Peter said, I've got to wash your feet. I've got to. Because, the reason was, because washing their feet was just a little picture of what Jesus was going to do the following day when he died on the cross. There's the cross. Jesus died on a cross like that. And when he died on the cross, he was dying to wash us. Ladies and gentlemen, did you know that? That's why Jesus died. There are things in all of us, in all of our lives, that are like muck. 
They are like muck on our very hearts and souls. Things that we think, I wish I could get rid of that, but we know full well we can't and we live with them. And they make our, they, they, they're just there. Sometimes we block them out, we try and ignore them, but there is muck on our souls in our lives that Jesus gave his life on the cross to wash us from. When we trust in him, he washes us and makes us like new. So the disciples' feet, they got cleaned with the water because Jesus, the king, served them. When Jesus died on the cross, Jesus, the king, shed his blood, not just to clean our feet, but to clean our hearts and our lives. That's the servant king. So do you remember our contradictions in terms? One fine day in the middle of the night, two dead men got up to fight, a floppy stone. A servant king? A contradiction in terms? No. The only true king, Jesus, who holds all authority in his hands, who holds your life in your hands, his hands and mine, he is the servant of all, who gave himself not to, not to be served, but to serve and to make us clean. Come back up again. Come on. Come and um, sit around the table. I promise I'm not going to wash anybody's feet anymore or empty this water over anybody's head either. No, you're going to go to your old spot. Isn't it funny what creatures of habit we are? It's not just, it's the, the children are all going back to almost exactly where they were before. Isn't it funny? It's, uh, young people, old people, we're creatures of habit. Well, a lot of us are. Good. Now, one person who had really listened to Jesus and his example of serving was a little girl called Elizabeth. She was known as Lilibet in her family. And uh, she was, she, I don't know what, I don't know what, I'm talking about our queen, of course. I don't know what she was um, thinking she might do with her life before the age of 10. We have a photo there. There's a photo of her there. There she is, Princess Elizabeth. Can you see her there? Princess Elizabeth, age 10, with her father. I don't know if any of you, are any of you 10? Is anyone 10 here? Is anyone, oh, you're 10. Oh, look, you two are 10. Okay. So when she, well, there, look at you. So there's you two. When, when, when Elizabeth was 10, her uncle, we saw it in the thing, her uncle, who was going to be the king, said he didn't want to be the king, various reasons. And so Elizabeth's father became the king, which meant that from the age of 10, she knew suddenly this is what her life was going to have to be. Whether she actually, whether she liked it or not, she was going to be queen. So that was the, that, that was the thing. And she knew then, she knew that she was going to come into the most extraordinary wealth. She was going to be very, very rich, and she was going to have a lot of power of a sort, lots of it. And yet, listen to what she said. I've asked Daniel, where's Daniel Lambin? Come on up and, and read. I've asked, um, I've, I've primed um, three people to come and read. Daniel, if you go to the, the lectern mic there and, um, and read, just listen to what she said. Listen. This is, what, this is what Elizabeth said when she was 21. Here she is, just as she was coming into her adult life. She wasn't quite queen at this point, but listen to what she said. I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, 
shall be devoted to your service and the service of our great imperial family, to which we all belong. Thank you, Daniel. It's lovely. My life, she said, is going to be about serving everybody else. Now, that is really interesting because what she was saying was not my life is all about what I want to do and what I can get out of it. She was saying my life is all about who I can serve and what difference I can make. She was saying it's not about me, it's about everybody else and it's about God as well. It's an extraordinary thing to say. Do you know what? I've, I've, there's a story of a um, little girl. Is anybody here four? Any of you four? No one is four? Your sister's four, okay. Well, even from the very earliest age, suddenly the light can go on in your mind and you can understand what you're on this world to do. There was a little girl um, and uh, she was named Kate. Kate Booth, her name was. Her father was William Booth, who founded the Salvation Army. And uh, when um, little Kate Booth was in bed, aged four, her mother would come to her by her bedside and say, Kate, listen to these words. She would say, Kate, or what's your name? You can put your name in the sentence instead. So my name's Tom. So I'd say, Tom, you're not in this world for yourself. The world is waiting for you to serve. The world is waiting for you to serve. You're not in this world for you. You're in this world for something much bigger than yourself. And so this little girl, she was four, and her mum used to say that to her in, in, in bed at night. The world is waiting for you. The world. And this, do you know, this woman, Kate, this girl, Kate, she became one of the most mighty, fearless preachers of Jesus. Um, certainly the 20th century ever knew. Mighty, absolutely extraordinary woman. Like the Queen in a very different way. Living for something much bigger than herself. So the question is, where did she learn this from? Where did she learn that life was all about serving? Well, I think Lucy, where's Lucy? I gave, a thing to, I gave something to Lucy. Lucy, you come up here. Well, I think we already know where she learned it from. She learned it from Jesus. Jesus, who made life all about serving. But Lucy, let's hear, let's hear something else here that she said. This, I think, is from one of her Christmas Day messages. 2012. Listen, read nice and loud, Lucy. Go. This time of year, when we remember that God sent his only son to serve, not to be served, he restored love and service to the center of our lives in the person of Jesus Christ. It is my prayer that this Christmas day that his example and teaching will continue to bring people together to give the best of themselves in the service of others. Brilliant. Thank you, Lucy. So the Queen said, I don't want to be served, but I want to serve. My life is given for other people. That's what it's all about for God and for other people. But she also knew something else. We need to be very clear about this. She knew that she wasn't perfect. She knew that yes, she wanted to give her life for other people, but actually she knew she didn't always do that. Just like all of us. She was honest with herself. She knew actually my life is not perfect. Far from it. So John, come up and read the next bit because this is very interesting. Here's another thing she said. This is in another Christmas Day message. Um, she said, she said this. 
Although we are capable of great acts of kindness, history teaches us that we sometimes need saving from ourselves, from our recklessness or our greed. God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, important though they are, but a saviour with the power to forgive. It is my prayer that on this Christmas day, we might all find room in our lives for the message of the angels and for the love of God through Jesus our Lord. Thank you. Lovely. So isn't that interesting? She said, look, we're all capable of great acts of kindness and service, but that is not the only thing that's true about us. There's that muck as well that needs cleaning. Do you remember I mentioned it a minute ago? That rot deep down in our souls that needs to be, well, well as she said there, we need to be saved from it. We need to be bought from being out of God's uh, friendship with God. We need to be we need to be brought into friendship with God. We need him to forgive us. We need him to cleanse us. We need him to wash us. We need him, frankly, friends, we need him to die for us. Without that, we, we actually, all this talk about serving and stuff, it's just in the end it turns out to be hypocrisy because we have to be honest that we desperately need forgiving. So here's two things I want us to finish with now as we, as we finish. Let Jesus wash you. That comes first. Let Jesus wash you. Perhaps you've never been honest about your own need for cleansing. You've always tried to hide it. Your own need for forgiveness. You've made light of it, maybe. Tried to drown it out in some way or another. Don't. Jesus gave his life in order to wash you. So, let him wash you. Trust in him. Give yourself to him. Say, Jesus, come and wash me. And he will. And you will notice a difference. He will set you free and wash you. So the first thing is, let Jesus wash you. The next thing is, let Jesus teach you. What's your life about? What's my life about? This cuts very deep. I'm, I'm a full-time minister in the Church of Jesus Christ. Is my life all about serving other people? If I'm brutally honest with myself, no, of course it's not. There's a principle deep in my life of it's all about me. And that principle is in you too. And that is what the Bible calls our sin. That is what we need to turn away from. We desperately need to learn from Jesus to live for something way beyond ourselves, to live for God and to turn and serve others in imitation of Jesus. So let him wash you, let him teach you. Children, thank you very much. You've been brilliant. Do go, go on down to your seats and, um, and uh, you can go back. And while you're going, I just want to suggest something that might be, um, might be a good idea in the light of all of this. Just, this is a sober time um, as we reflect on the Queen and her loss. It's a sober time in the life of our nation. It's a good time, I think, just to pause in our own lives as well. Luke's Gospel, it's an account of Jesus from the Bible. I've got a whole bag load here, and I would love to give one to you as you leave. And commit yourself, say, I am actually going to lift my eyes above my own existence, and I am going to look at the servant king. I'm going to investigate what it means to be washed by him. There's a lovely story in chapter 7 of Luke's Gospel all about being washed 
by Jesus. You'll find it if you read it. It's very powerful, very powerful. What does it mean to be taught by him? Take this, read it, and I think you may discover something absolutely wonderful at this time. So I've got a bag load. I'm going to have them with me on the way out, and I would love to give you a free copy um, of Luke's Gospel to take away, and I urge you to go away and read it. So a prayer just as we finish. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Queen you have given us these last 70 years who has shown us um, that royalty and service are not a contradiction in terms. We thank you that she has served. We thank you too for Jesus Christ who offers and longs to serve us at an even deeper level. Open the eyes of our hearts this morning to know, to grasp the love that he has for each one here. And we ask that you will do this for the honour and glory of your name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.